you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f- best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com live podcast. Those of you coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome. Let's talk some Lakers basketball here this evening. As we're recording this, well, it's only July 19th. We've got 79 days and counting until the Lakers are back on the floor for an actual NBA game. And I'm talking about a preseason game. At that, So it is a little bit of a wait. We know August is going to get, well, it's going to be a bit challenging. As Tom Petty said, the waiting is the hardest part. But there's a lot to look forward to regarding this Lakers season. So tonight, I want to get into the win totals. What's being projected right now by Vegas for the Los Angeles Lakers for next season? Is it accurate? Is it not? Is there some Laker hate mixed in there? Is, is it overly optimistic? Let's talk about that. Also get into the Christian Wood situation and what's happening there. Are the Lakers ultimately going to land him? Why have they not signed anybody? I mean, it it feels like free agency was months ago. And yet, really, when you look at the calendar, it was just a few weeks ago, right? I mean, free agency started up June 30th, technically, right? Most of us mark July 1st as the start date. So it hasn't even been three weeks of free agency yet, but it went so fast this year. It was like, two, three days, and it was over. And really, most of it was done in like the first two days. And it was over. And so by contrast, we're looking at the Lakers currently sitting there with the 14th and 15th roster spots still open, saying, what is happening? Why why have you not signed somebody yet? And so we'll talk about that a little bit as well. We'll talk about uh, what the Lakers could potentially do there. Uh, Will they add a big? When's that going to happen? All that kind of stuff. But before I get into that, do me a favor. Those of you who are coming in live, Hit the like button. Help us get out there a little bit. Just real quick, smash the like button. And of course, if you're not a subscriber, make sure that you do subscribe to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. In fact, what we love if you would do is subscribe both on the podcast side and on the YouTube side. That way you can take us with you wherever you go. If you don't have a chance to watch the video, listen to the podcast version of the show. Uh, otherwise, you can you can watch the video right now on YouTube. So again, welcome in, everybody. Let's start off. Before we get into the center, we've been talking about the center position for a while. Let's start off with the over-unders. Let's start off with the projected win over-under for the Lakers. And I think we should keep in mind that what this is, this is a betting line. This is a line. This is not necessarily what Las Vegas thinks 100% is going to happen. What it is, is a line that Las Vegas thinks people will bet and thinks that there's an edge where they can make money betting that currently and this is shifting constantly and it's going to be different depending on uh what you're looking at depending on what sports book you're looking at but but right now the lakers are at 47 and a half wins that's the over under it's an above 500 season all right 47 and a half wins that's right now where we're at of course i, I saw tim bontemps did a show with my with my guy george sedano uh, i believe it was today and said he would smash the under on that. But that's kind of his shtick, right? That's his thing, is doubting the Lakers. That's historically what he's done. He tends to be a bit more of an East Coast guy. Um, 47 and a half. So let's talk about why the Lakers could go over, why they could go under. Obviously, injury, right? Injury could certainly cause them to go under. But that's you could say that about any team. 
Um, you do have to factor in LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? How many games are they actually going to play? That's certainly something we have to consider. But take a look at this. Here is um, the Lakers standings, the standings from this last season. And so when I'm looking at the Lakers record last season, I see 43 and 39. You know, it, it honestly just kind of makes me smile. I mean, 43 and 30, this team started 2 and 10. There was a point where we were just begging for this team somehow, some way to get back to 500 basketball. And they did. Somehow, some way, they managed to do it. They got to above 500 basketball. They finished in the seventh seed, 43 and 39. But we have to remember that for the bulk of the season, up until the trade deadline, they had a roster that made no sense. They had a roster that made no sense. Uh, Joe is asking, does anybody know when the NBA schedule will come out? I was actually just looking at this the other day. It's usually right around the vicinity of August 19th. That's usually right. It doesn't mean that day specifically, but somewhere right around that day. And I just happen to know that off the top of my head because I was just looking that up. Historically, it's right around that. Sometimes it's the 18th or the 17th or the 20th. Or like right around there is when uh, the NBA schedule tends to come out. So anyway, uh, there's a lot of reason to think the Lakers may do better, right? 43 wins last season, and they had a roster for a good chunk of the season that made no sense, right? It, it, I mean, it was at one point, uh, there was a game where Austin Reeves literally had to play power forward. They had way too many guards. They didn't have enough bigs. They didn't have enough wings. It, it was a nightmare. I mean, remember the three guard? I'm sorry to bring up bad memories, but Dennis Schroeder, Patrick Beverly, Russell Westbrook, all on the floor together? Wow. I, I mean... It was bad. It was really bad. Uh, somebody asked, when's media day? End of September, typically. Like the 25th, 26th, you know, right in there is typically media day. 24th, depends. Uh, I don't have it in front of me what day it is. But nonetheless, so when we think about it that way, and I look at this Lakers roster right now, and I look at the, the wing depth that they've got. I look at the guard depth that they've got. They've got LeBron. They've got AD. They're going to be uh, They're going to be healthy. Right, ideally, fingers crossed. Those guys are going to be healthy to start the season. I'm projecting as though they're going to get another big, and we'll talk about that in a bit. I don't think they're that they're really going to just not sign another. Of course, we can question when. Why is it taking so long? Right, fans are getting impatient, but a big is coming. One more big will be coming to this roster. So that, that all of that says, well, shouldn't they win more than 47 and a half games? They finished the season eight and two, but I think that 47 and a half is actually a really good line. And this is why, and I'm going to be optimistic. I'll take the over, but the reason why I think it's a good line is because we can't forget some of what went into closing the season as strong as the Lakers did LeBron coming back early from injury and really pushing down on the gas pedal because they knew they had to, to make the playoff push guys like D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, Rui Hachimura, all these, all these young guys on one-year deals. Heck, I mean, even look at Troy Brown Jr., right? Lonnie Walker. All these guys on one-year deals. Dennis Schroeder, they're all playing for their NBA lives, right? They, they're playing knowing that what they do in that moment is going to either make them or cost them millions of dollars just a few months later. Like, that's about as motivated as you can be from a financial perspective, right? So that's a factor, too. Right, you've got this team that's playing with everything they've got to close out the season, and so it's easy to just say, "Well, they were great to finish the season. They were one of the best teams in the Western Conference, and they're going to just do that again next season." I don't know in terms of their energy level if it's sustainable to play with the energy level that they did post trade deadline. They essentially approached post trade deadline as though every game was a playoff game. And for the Lakers, frankly, it was. Because if they didn't treat it that way, then they weren't going to make the postseason. So I think that's something to keep in mind. The urgency may not be there in the early going. And then we talk about how many um, how many games are LeBron and AD actually going to play? How many games are those guys going to play? I put the line at like 60, right? And if it's less then you could see where ultimately you could wind up hitting the under at 47 and a half. But that's why I think it's actually a fairly good line. I think that if the Lakers stay healthy, 
and can stay relatively motivated. I don't expect them to stay motivated as though every game is the playoffs on the line. I don't expect them to stay motivated as though every game is going to determine millions of dollars in their future. But nonetheless, this is a roster that makes sense, and I think there's real opportunity here for them to do better than that. But I think there's also a little bit of context here that we have to keep in mind. We're looking at how many games the Lakers are going to win. And by the way, I'm getting into Super Chats in just a moment here and questions and all that. We'll get there um, in just a minute. Look at the West. See, here's the thing. In the NBA, in the NBA, we typically look at 60 wins, right? That's, that is the bar you have to clear. The truly great teams, they win 60 games, right? But look at the West last season. People say, well, the West actually wasn't that good last season. I don't know if I agree with that. I think the West was actually fairly good. I think the problem is too much of the West is good. Too much of the West is good. And what happens when you have a lot of good teams is you cannibalize yourselves, right? The, you don't have those gimme wins on the schedule in the Western Conference the way you may have in the past. You don't have that team that gets the eight seed, but really they're like a, a well below 500 team, like we saw, like say, in the Eastern Conference uh, for a long, long time, where the seventh and eighth seed were below 500 in the East. And then you had above 500 teams in the West missing the cut. Now you look at how deep the West is. It's really, really deep, filled with really good teams. And so as a result, getting those wins on a night-to-night basis is more difficult. And that brings everybody down more into the middle when you've got so many teams that are so close together and everybody's got a lot of talent. So, for example, for example, we look at Denver. Wound up winning the championship. They're the best team in the league. 53 wins last season. That's not that Denver was bad. That's not that Denver wasn't a quality team. That's that the West was so good that it's difficult to get wins on a night-to-night basis. So now we think about what's the context for this next year? Which of these teams got worse? Denver? Maybe a little bit, but enough to knock them out of the postseason? No. They lost you know, Bruce Brown. Memphis? They made some moves. They got Marcus Smart. So probably not. Sacramento? No. Phoenix? Uh-uh. Picked up Bradley Beal. Now, if injuries hit, of course, but it, it, let's assume people stay healthy. The Clippers? We'll see. They might be getting James Harden any day now. We'll find out what happens there. The Warriors? Probably not. By the way, the Warriors' win total is projected to be 49 and a half. Now, again, part of that is what Vegas thinks you will bet. A lot of Warriors fans will go out there and bet that. But the Warriors have a higher win total. The Clippers tied with the Lakers at 47 and a half for their win total. But how many of these teams got worse? Minnesota, did they get worse? I mean, they lost Torian Prince to the Lakers, but probably not. OKC, heck no. OKC just picked up Chet Holmgren, essentially, right? Plus, they added added more players. They had Wallace, a guy that I liked a lot. Um, They already had a really good team that's just organically going to get better by being young and, and growing and improving. OKC, I think, is going to be a, a pest next season. The Pelicans, my God, what happens if Zion stays healthy? What happens if Brandon Ingram stays healthy? They didn't, they didn't get worse. The Mavericks? No, the Mavericks probably could have been a playoff team if they really wanted to be last season, and they chose to tank. And it worked out. They were able to move Davis Bertans off their books and get the guy that they wanted anyway and Derek Lively. But nonetheless, the Mavericks, they're a playoff team. The Jazz... At one point, the Jazz were the one seed in the West. Now, things didn't continue. The Cinderella story did not continue. But the bottom line is the Jazz, you might say, well, they're still not a playoff team. Yeah, but they're also not a pushover on any given night. They're not a team that you look at and you say, chalk that one up, that's a win. Portland, what if they don't trade Dame? What if they do trade Dame and Scoot just looks as good as he did in Summer League? Portland, it's not a pushover. The Rockets, Pick up Fred Van Vliet. That's going to help them. They also picked up Dylan Brooks. Okay, that's probably not going to help them. But the point is, the Rockets are probably not a pushover on any given night either. At least not to the same degree they were last season. I still don't think they're going to be good. They've got some veteran players. they got Jeff Green, who can be an adult in the room. But they're not going to wind up being that same pushover they were last season. The Spurs picked up Victor Wembanyama. Is he going to turn them into a playoff team overnight? Probably not. No. 
but they're a bit better than they were last season. Gerald Sports said, Brooks is not as bad as the players we make him seem to be. I agree, Gerald. I'm being facetious, facetious there. J Dylan Brooks is an excellent, excellent defensive player, but the Lakers, their defensive game plan was centered around begging Dylan Brooks to shoot the ball, and it worked beautifully, beautifully for the Lakers. He was Dylan Brooks was the key to the Lakers' defense. Dylan Brooks shooting the ball was the was the best game plan the Lakers had, and it worked out great. It really did. It worked out great. So I just don't think he's particularly a great fit with Houston. Who knows? Maybe he will be. Maybe he will be, right? I don't wish him any ill will. But anyway, uh, Mamba Mentality. We need a troll remover in this channel. Maybe I just need a mod. Mamba Mentality, hit me up on uh, on Twitter sometimes. Send me a direct message. Let's uh, Let's chat. But that being said... The West, it's tough. It's difficult. And so that takes us back to that 47 and a half. And that's why I think it's a really good line. It's a really good line. Yes, the Lakers are better. Yes, the Lakers are. Um, guys, if anybody else wants to get in on trying to be a moderator, hit me, hit me up on Twitter, at Trevor underscore Lane. Shoot me a, a DM. I, I know it's something I need to add before next season. Um, all right. I know the Lakers got better. I think this team is better than the last season's team. I think this team's team makes sense. But 47 and a half, it's actually a good line because of the West, because of how deep the West is, and because of the LeBron and AD injury factor, and because we don't know how hard they're going to be pushing down on that gas pedal in November, in December. They're going to be racking up wins at that point. So all of those reasons, that 47 and a half number, I'm going to be optimistic. I'll take the over. But I think it's a pretty good line. And I don't think it's a disrespectful line. Some look at that and they say, that's disrespect. How can you say that? That this 47 and a half, this Lakers team, they're going to win 50 games. They're going to win 55 games. They're great. The Nuggets won the title. They only won 53. The context of the NBA world around them is different than what we've seen in the past. It is a much, much more um, competitive West. And the West has always been tough. But the parity... Last season was nuts. This season projects to be on a completely different level. All right. Let me get into some of these super chats here. Do appreciate these ones coming in. Speak of the devil here. Mamba Mentality said, for the last two roster spots, 14 and 15, a shooting guard and a center would be okay, but I'm leaning more with your idea. Get two bigs with a veteran minimum. You never know. Better to throw more at the wall and see what sticks. That's it, really, right? It's just of the bigs that are out there, aside from, say, Christian Wood, who, I mean... Character-wise, is that the best fit for the Lakers? I don't know. I don't know, right? Is he, what's he going to do on the defensive end of the floor? Um, I do need to talk about Christian Wood in just a moment. But, yeah, if you're going to go after guys that, you know, it's, it's, it's Colin Castleton that you're going to bring in and find out, can he be that guy? Sure. Right? But get two. Get two because you don't know. There's guys out there where you say, well, we can go get this guy, but does he really solve the problem? Eh, I don't know. I don't know. Get two of them. Get two of them. See if somebody sticks. Mama mentality, any combination of Wood, JaVale, Bismack, and Dwight Howard works. Yeah, if you were to put two of them together, with Christian Wood being the most important piece there, I think, or at least the, the highest upside. But here's the thing. You know, Dan Wojcik noted this in his LA Times piece that Rob Polinka made a comment, and I think I haven't been putting enough into this, but Rob Polinka made a comment about wanting to diversify the center position. Not just that they want another big, but that they want another big that doesn't have the same skill set as Jackson Hayes, which he's not the exact same player, but in theory, that would kind of eliminate guys like JaVale, Bismack Biombo, these non-three-point shooting, rim-protecting, lob-finishing bigs, right? Dwight Howard would be in there. You know, JaVale McGee, Dwight Howard, Bismack Biombo. It seems like the Lakers are kind of going away from those guys. Um, it also sounds like it's a direct message at Christian Wood. Hey, we want what you bring, which is three-point shooting, scoring, offensive versatility. He can block some shots defensively, but he's not a good defender. So that's seemingly what the Lakers want to do. So why is it then that we haven't heard anything yet? I think it really comes down to if you're Christian Wood and the Lakers offer is out there and the Lakers have made it clear we want to play somebody next 
to AD. We don't want to play AD at the five all the time. They're sending up the signal flares. Christian Wood, all you got to do is beat out Jackson Hayes for minutes. And it's not just 12 minutes. It's not 14 minutes. It's not the minutes that are just backing up AD. No, we want to play somebody with AD. So come on over. You can get minutes with us. I think if you're Christian Wood, the Lakers offer right now, it's a veteran minimum. And that's all they can offer. That's it. It's a veteran minimum. And that's not going to change. And he knows that. So unless the late and how many other bigs are out there? Not a lot. So unless the Lakers are about to sign somebody, somebody pops up on the market surprisingly, and the Lakers are about to sign somebody else. If you're Christian Wood, you know, hey, the Lakers offer next month, it's the same as it is right now. If I wait until August 15th and just see, maybe the Bulls decide they want to use their disabled player exception on me, then I can get more money. Worst case, that Lakers offer is probably still going to be there. So he's taking his time because he can. It's not like the Lakers can say, well, you know what, Christian, we'll offer you this right now, but in a week, we're going to chop off 20% of this offer. No, they can, they're offering him what they can. It can't get any lower. It's a veteran minimum. The word minimum implies it can't get lower. So that's the issue, right? When you're looking at, when you're looking at Christian Wood, why is he not signed? Why don't the Lakers have him right now? Where's the urgency from Christian Wood's side? Now, let me make this though. Let me make this case right now. Um, Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I think as much as we look at the Lakers and we say, man, they could really use Christian Wood's skill set. And I've got some people in the chat that are making the point that Christian Wood's more of a, maybe even a three or a four, not necessarily a five. I think he's a four and a five, and that's fair. I'm just looking at bigs in general. Um, yes, Christian Wood playing would mean Anthony Davis is the center, right? Because let's face it, if Yusuf Nurkic is on the floor, if Jonas Valanciunas is on the floor, and Christian Wood is out there with AD, who's defending Nurkic, who's defending Valanciunas, who's defending that big physical center? It's not going to be Christian Wood, who barely outweighs Wenyan Gabriel. It's going to be Anthony Davis. And if the goal is to keep Anthony Davis off of those guys, well, Jackson Hayes might fit that bill. But yeah, not so much Christian Wood. So I understand the point there. But let me make this, this case here. I think as much as we look at the Lakers and we say they need Christian Wood, they need his skill set, they need his floor spacing on the offensive end, I think Christian Wood needs the Lakers. He may not realize it. And of course, I'm biased. I'm wearing a Lakers Nation shirt right now. I'm biased. But I think Christian Wood needs the Lakers. And here's why. Here's why. Christian Wood, no matter where he goes, he's going to have to prove it. He's going to have to prove that all the negative stuff out there about him is not true. He's going to have to prove that he can defend at a high enough level. That all the talk about him being a lazy defender, that that's not true. He's going to need to prove that he can fit into a team concept, that he can fall in line, that he can play a role, and that he can be a star in his role. Well, if you're going to commit to being a role player, which can be very profitable in the NBA, if you're going to commit to being the best kind of role player you can be, which mentally sometimes takes a shift for some of these guys who are used to being the best on their team. If you're going to commit to that, where better to do it than the Lakers? And I'll give you the same reasoning that Austin Reeves had 
when he made his decision, right? When Austin Reeves was looking at, hey, I've got, as I recall, it was the Detroit Pistons. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it was the Pistons saying, we'll draft you in the second round. If you're willing to sign a two-way contract with us. And Austin said, nah, no, thank you. I'd rather be a Laker. I mean, I'd rather go undrafted and become a Laker. And his thought process was, I'm going to have to scrap and claw and fight to get into the into this league. But if I'm successful, if I'm with the Lakers and I carve out a role there, if I fit in there, if I impact winning there, that's going to matter more than if I do that with this young Pistons team. If I can help LeBron win games, if I can help Anthony Davis win games, if I can become part of a rotation there and I'm on national TV more than half of our games and people are seeing me and it's the bright lights and all that kind of stuff. That's going to mean even more recognition for my career. It's going to be noticed more if I do it as a Laker. And I think the same holds true for Christian Wood. Just look at what Dennis Schroeder has been able to do. Dennis Schroeder, you know, he infamously, and I've heard some people say this, he didn't do it. I've heard some people say that he did both within and without the team. The legend, right? Is, that he turned down a big offer, whether you want to call it four years, 84 million, whatever, from the Lakers. He turned down this big offer, and then, well, karma came back and bit him, right? He winds up getting a taxpayer mid-level and then a veteran minimum, played last year with the Lakers on a veteran minimum because he had that, I don't know, that that uh, stink of being the guy who, he's a good backup point guard, but that's it. He's not a good defender. He's too small to be really good defensively. He's not the guy that he once was. And what did he do with the Lakers? The lights are shining bright. Turns it around. Ends up making big plays for the Lakers in the fourth quarter last season. Was a good defender for them. Quieted a lot of the concerns. And he got some pretty big money this summer, didn't he? Look at Malik Monk. Oh, does he really have his head on straight? Is he really that guy that we thought he was going to be coming out of, out of college? He leaves Charlotte, comes to the Lakers, and he does his best Lou Williams impersonation, and he becomes the microwave scorer off the bench for the Lakers, sometimes starting games, and he gets a lot of money that next summer. If I'm Christian Wood, I'm looking at that model, and I'm saying, man, all I got to do is get to L.A. and play my role. If I can make life a little bit easier on Anthony Davis, if I can do some of the dirty work, if I can still shoot the three when it's there for me, I just feast on these open looks, I'm going to get paid next summer. I can quiet all of that. And the place to do that, it's LA. Take that same path. That same path that Malik Monk did, the same path that Dennis Schroeder did. Use the bright lights of LA to your advantage. On top of that, if there's any issue in terms of discipline or anything like that or motivation, sign up for a LeBron James team. Sign up for a LeBron James team because at the very least, everybody around the league respects the hell out of LeBron, right? And if you're seeing LeBron's work ethic, you know, you know the guys are going to fall in line. That's going to be, there's not going to be that kind of too much freedom, right? There's not going to be that situation where a guy can go do whatever he wants because LeBron's there setting the example that everybody's going to follow. Everybody's going to fall in line, right? So what better place to get it right than with the Lakers to quiet those concerns about the immaturity and things like that? Follow along on LeBron's team. There you go. I think Christian Wood needs the Lakers. Maybe even more than the Lakers need Christian Wood. We'll see where he ultimately winds up. But I think it would make a lot of sense. I'm sure it's not the kind of money that he wants. He's a better player than a veteran minimum. But for his career, the best thing may very well be playing on a minimum for the Lakers for this season. If he can quiet those concerns in L.A., if he can prove people wrong in L.A., big money will be waiting for him in the summer of 2024. All right. Uh, why would he be waiting this long if he wanted to come for the Lakers? Come to the Lakers? Because I think he wants to get paid more than what the Lakers are going to offer, frankly.
James Bell said, outside of nostalgia with the Celtics and Flippers, I hope the Nuggets become a real rival rivalry for the next 10 years for the fans. So let me ask you guys that. This is, so most of you guys know, during the season, uh, Mike Wolf said, Lakers players don't want Christian Wood stop at Trevor. Mike, I, that that is indeed what I heard. That's what I heard, that there were, and I know who, I don't want to throw it out there though, um, influential Lakers players who urged not to sign Christian Wood. Now again, that's the rumor. That's the rumor that's been going around, but that's what I heard specifically from people who would know. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean they're not going to do it though. Doesn't mean they're not going to do it. So anyway, uh, the Nuggets, are they a real rivalry? So the Nuggets beat the Lakers, obviously. The Lakers beat the Nuggets back in 2020. Is this a real rivalry? You guys know during the season when we're doing the post-game show and we've got 10,000, 15,000 people in here all at once and the comments are flying by, it's a little bit more difficult for me to get into stuff like and get comments from you guys. So let me know right now. Well, I've got 2,000 of you in here. We're in July. Are the Nuggets a rival for the Lakers? Are the Lakers and Nuggets rivals? Look at what the Nuggets have been doing. I mean, the Clippers have been doing things specifically to get under the skin of the Lakers for years, just to be the, that annoying net for years. And that's got Lakers fans hating them. Um, Mamba mentality, never heard that rumor. Is it new? Oh, I mentioned it like a week ago, I think. Um, so the Celtics, the wars these teams have fought over the decades, that's a rivalry. But you look at the Nuggets. They cared more about beating the Lakers than beating the Heat and winning the championship, it seemed like. It seemed like it mattered more to them that they beat the Lakers than anything else. And again, that goes to show you how long the Lakers have been beating up on some of these teams and how much resentment there is towards the Lakers that are out there. So are the Nuggets, now that they're taking all of these shots at the Lakers, now that they beat the Lakers, they won a championship, are they a rival? Are they a rival for the Lakers? I'm seeing a lot of no. I'm seeing a lot of, well, here, Revived said, Nuggets fans hate us. Yep. Agreed. This one says, after this year, I think they will be. That's interesting. Like, is that going to get... So, it wouldn't shock me if opening night is Lakers-Nuggets. Based on all this stuff that's been going on, it would not shock me if opening night is Lakers-Nuggets and the Lakers have to watch the Nuggets get their rings and all of that. Would not surprise me one bit if that was opening night. Um, it's mean to D'Angelo Russell to put him right back into the series where he really struggled, but it wouldn't shock me if that winds up being opening night. Uh, let me see what else we've got in here. Who else thinks they are rival? Okay, a lot of people saying no. Some people saying yes. See a lot of Well, it's probably about 50-50. Okay, here's an interesting take. Camille said, LeBron is the reason it mattered to Denver, not the Lakers themselves, but the man on the team. So I don't know if I agree with that, because the Lakers, even before LeBron was around, they've beaten the Nuggets quite a bit, right? I mean, that's been a thing for, for a while. So I don't know if it's just a LeBron thing. I think it matters to the Nuggets players that they beat LeBron, right? I mean, LeBron is the legend that they've all looked up to. I mean, so many of the younger guys coming up in the NBA – who were they watching when they were in their formative years? They're watching LeBron. I mean, he's heading into season 21. So that is where I think there's something to that. But I also think it's because it's the Lakers. Like if LeBron were a blazer, it wouldn't mean as much. Like it would still mean something because it's LeBron, but it wouldn't mean quite as much. If LeBron were a Clipper, certainly. If LeBron were a Sacramento King, if LeBron were a Houston Rocket, like it would mean something because it's LeBron but it wouldn't wind up being what it is with LeBron with the Lakers. But I don't think it's there yet. Like there was for years when the Lakers were playing the Kings in the early 2000s, like you can say it wasn't really a rivalry because the Kings never beat the Lakers, at least in the games that really mattered, you know, in the postseason. But there was a, like a clear, these are the top two teams in the West. And there was this just hatred between the two. I think you could feel it 
that you could say it doesn't clear the bar of being a rivalry because the Kings never won, but it felt like it. It felt like I mean, I remember during I remember during that time I hated the Kings. Now I don't really. I'm actually I was kind of cheering for the Kings this past season because they had suffered for so long, but that felt real like a rivalry. I don't feel that way towards the Nuggets just yet. Maybe we'll get there. Personally, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet to where I feel like it's a it's a real rivalry. Um, Avi B, hoping Wood falls into our lap for the veteran minimum on a prove-it deal. Can get paid in 24 like Dennis Schroeder did. Unrelated. Thoughts on Jeff Van Gundy firing. Conspiracy theories are flying. I haven't seen any of the conspiracy theories. Um, I know ESPN's had a lot of cutbacks. Um, and so I thought it was just part of that. But honestly, I don't I don't have much else to say about it than that. I there were as far as his commentary goes, there were times when I thought Jeff Van Gundy was really good. There were times where I thought he was incredibly insightful. I also thought there were times, especially when you guys have seen some of the memes going around, when it's like Jeff Van Gundy and Mark Jackson, it's like there's two guys that are essentially hosting two separate, two different podcasts at the same, like they're talking about different stuff. And then you've got your third guy, like Mike Breen or whoever, doing the traditional play-by-play. And so it was just kind of a weird mix, right? With, with those three sometimes. They would get too far afield. Part of that is me, though. Like, I want to focus on the games. I was getting frustrated during summer league games, which I know it's tough. It's tough to stay focused on those games. But I felt like the commentary during summer league games was straying too far from the action. They would go five, six, seven minutes without talking about what's happening on the floor. Um, I would get that to a lesser degree with Van Gundy sometimes. And that was one of my complaints um, about him. But over, I didn't think he was terrible. I didn't think he was awful or anything like that. I thought there were moments where he was really insightful, but conspiracy theories, honestly, I haven't seen them. So I can't really comment on that. Uh, Amon Brar with Super Chat. Thank you. Said, hey, Trevor, the Lakers have been known to make moves that no one sees coming. We've heard Christian Wood, Bismack Biombo, to a lesser extent, McGee Castleton for the last roster spot. Can you see a name no one sees coming? Well, if I see it, that means someone sees it coming, right? Um, but I get your point. Uh, a possible buyout as a result of the Dame and Harden trade. Yeah, that's. I think that's part of what the Lakers are waiting for. So I understand why Christian Wood is waiting. Why is he waiting to sign a deal? But also, why aren't the Lakers going out and signing somebody, right? I mean, Nerlens Noel just signed with the Kings. Why didn't the Lakers go get Nerlens Noel? Because there isn't anybody out there right now that they're thinking, man, this guy's so good, we have to get them immediately, and we're going to be patient. Because what could happen is... Damian Lillard gets traded to Miami, to wherever. And as a result of the trade, somebody has more players on the roster than they can keep. Look at OKC. They just cut Rudy Gay. Now, they're not going to cut a center. They don't have a center to really cut. But they're going to have to cut like five more guys before the season starts. And some good players that are going to wind up getting cut because they have too many players. What happens when you have too many draft picks? But they're going to wind up having to cut some guys. Now, what happens if there's an extra center in the Damian Lillard trade. And that player winds up getting cut. Next thing you know, somebody that you weren't expecting to be on the market is sitting there. So I think that's part of why the Lakers are being patient is they're looking around the market and they're saying, okay, well, Christian Wood's still deciding. We'll wait and see what happens there. JaVale McGee, maybe he gets bought out, but we kind of want a big who can do something a little different. So let's bide our time. Rather than commit to somebody right now and lock in, particularly a guaranteed salary for the season when we're, right below the tax right now. Let's wait and see what happens. See what happens when roster cuts, cutdowns come. See who winds up on the market. Let's preserve our flexibility and just wait because there isn't anybody out there right now that's ready to make the decision that is worth pulling the trigger on at this moment. And so I don't, as frustrating as it can be from the fan perspective, man, I just want to know who it is they're going to get. They're going to get somebody. They're going to get another big It'll happen before the season starts. But in the meantime, if Christian Wood is not ready to sign on the dotted line right now, maybe Bismack Biombo is not as well, it makes all the sense to just wait. Be patient. See what happens. See who gets cut loose because there may be an opportunity out there that we weren't expecting. So as far as who it could possibly be, I don't know. I mean, between those teams, who is it that, that really makes a lot of sense? 
I think something crazy like a three-team deal would have to go down, which maybe isn't that crazy. Maybe that's how a trade would have to happen. But it would have to be something along those lines. A three-team trade goes down, and a third team comes in and absorbs some salaries. And in order to do so, they they wind up waving a center that suddenly is out there, and the Lakers can go pick them up. That's what you what you're looking to see happen there. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. BT Kingsley said, mid-season tournament idea. If you must... Uh, if you win the midseason tournament and make the playoffs, you get to choose your opponent. If you don't make the playoffs, you get an extra lottery ball. Hashtag I fixed it. So what happens from there, though? You pick your opponent. Let's say you finish, you win the midseason tournament. You finish as the eight seed and you pick the seven seed as your opponent. Okay, so then who do the one and the two seed get? Does the whole thing just reshuffle? It reshuffles the entire playoff bracket. I mean, that, that is, I'm not saying that's a insurmountable obstacle or anything like that. You can get around that. In general, I like the idea of letting teams pick their opponents. More drama, right? More thing, more whiteboard material for the team that gets picked. If you're the one seed and you and you say, "Hey, we're going to pick the six seed because we think we match up best with them," the six seed they're going to be pissed. They're going to say, "We're the six seed. You think we're the worst team?" That's what it is? Okay, we're going to bring it. More drama. Let's do it. And specifically for that reason, teams are not going to want to do it. Teams are not going to want to do that. Just like they don't didn't want to pick teams for the All-Star game and all that. And then they tried to, they tried to, when they finally did it this year, this past year, when they did it live and they picked the full team and, and all of that, they tried to obscure who the last pick was, even though everybody knew. It was pretty funny the way it, it all kind of went down, but um, egos and all that kind of stuff, it, it matters. It does matter in the NBA. So I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it would be a, a little bit of an interesting wrinkle if teams got to pick their playoff opponents. I think it'd be fun. I think it'd be a lot of fun. Uh, as far as getting an extra lottery ball, if you don't make it and you win the midseason tournament, sure, that gives you more to play for. Frankly, though, if you're a player on a bad team, I don't care so much about the lottery ball, right? That just makes it more likely that you're going to get a better player in the draft that's going to come take your job. What those guys are going to play for, they're going to play for the extra money that you're going to get in that midseason tournament. For the organization, sure, the extra lottery ball or whatever, however many extra combinations you get, it would certainly be something organizationally that you would want. For the players actually playing in the game, though, it's not going to matter to them. That's not going to matter. And the players playing in the game may not want to be able to choose their opponent either. Because again, then then it's then it's even worse if you lose, right? What's the upside? If you win, if you pick your opponent and you win, it's well, yeah, they picked their opponent. They picked the perfect team to match up against and they beat them. Okay, that was smart. But if you lose, it's gonna be, oh my god, like people will be losing their minds just trashing that team. You picked your opponent and you still lost to them, dug your own grave, you played yourself. Teams don't want that. Teams don't want, they don't want to deal with that. Uh, Reese said, I agree. I think Lakers Nuggets opening night, Suns Lakers, I want for Christmas. Would not surprise me at all if they, that's the way it winds up. Lakers Nuggets opening night, Suns Lakers on Christmas. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all if that's the way that it, that it goes. And you know Lakers Clippers is going to be in there as well. You know that that's going to be a thing. I uh, want to be going to be one of the bigger games of the season. 
Soy Saucy, we really need to push for Christian Wood. Rivalry, Nuggets, there's a team named the Nuggets. Stop it. Trev, you guys are awesome. Love the show. Can't wait to see how good the Lakers do. Let's go. Thank you, man. I, I really do appreciate the kind words there. Uh, yeah, I can't wait to. And I'll just say again, the Lakers, they may not come firing out of the gates. Maybe they do, but they may not come firing out of the gates. I don't expect them to be playing with the same urgency that we saw at the end of last season to start off the year. But uh, I am excited about this coming season for the Lakers. I can't wait to see them get out there. I think their rotation is going to provide so much. And Sean Davis and I, I believe tomorrow we're going to get into this. I can't wait to see all the little wrinkles Darwin's going to be able to throw in because there's so many different ways you can play this roster, especially, especially once you add that extra big uh, with the 14th roster spot. So I agree ultimately that the Nuggets probably aren't a rival at this point. I think it's fair to feel a little animosity towards them, but I, I think I could say there's probably even more animosity towards the Suns right now than towards the Nuggets at the moment. Though they're catching up pretty quickly. For me, it's still the Celtics every day, all day. And of course, the uh, the Clippers are becoming a bit more of a rival. Uh, William, what do you think is AD's problem with the three ball? I don't know. I wish I had the answer. I wish I had the, because I would just, I would call up the Lakers and say, hey, here's the problem. His right foot needs to scoot a half inch forward. And then he's going to be a 37% three-point shooter. I wish it was that simple. But after the championship win, when AD was respectable as a three-point shooter, off the top of my head, he shot 33% from deep, as I recall. And coming out of that season, um, am I right? I am. 33% on the nose. Anthony Davis, 33% from three that championship season. Coming out of that season, Frank Vogel, then the Lakers coach, said, I want AD to set a personal record for three-point attempts this next season. His three-point attempts actually went down. They dropped. He And he shot a much worse percentage. He shot 33% that season, went down to 26% in the 2020-2021 season, and shot less of them. The next season, 21-22, he took even he chopped one attempt per game off of his average from the prior season. From the prior season, he shot even less. He shot half as many threes as he did in the championship season, just two seasons later, and shot them at a 19% clip. And I'm rounding up to get there. Now, last season, it dropped even further. Not the percentage, but the attempts. The percentage went back up to 26%. Not to 33%, to 26%. And here's the problem. That means now it's three seasons in a row that you don't need to worry about Anthony Davis behind the three-point line. At 26%, that's not good enough for teams to care that you're out there. At 33%, yeah, that's going to get some attention. because team, Especially if you're shooting them at a decent volume because teams know you will pull the trigger on that shot and teams know you can knock them down. Part of that, too, is you're Anthony Davis and teams aren't going to want to leave him because it's Anthony Davis. But if you're shooting less than two per game, you're shooting 1.3 per game, which is what he did last season, his lowest ever since he started really shooting the three. His first three seasons in the NBA, I don't consider him shooting the three. 0.1 attempts, 0.1 attempts, 0.2 attempts. That's not really shooting the three. That's probably some half-court heaves and stuff like that. But at age 22 and in the 15-16 season, he started shooting 1.8 threes per game. He was at 1.3 last season. So since he started shooting the three, this is his lowest average number of attempts ever. And that's with Frank Vogel telling him, I want you to set a new record in the amount of attempts you take. I want you to shoot even more threes than you did before. For whatever reason, the number just drops and drops and, and he just doesn't look comfortable shooting it. Now, I am curious because Darvin Ham started running sets where he was putting AD in the corner. Uh, on the offensive end. And I started thinking, man, this is a waste. You're putting AD in the corner in order to pull the opposing big out of the paint and let LeBron drive, let Reeves drive, let Schroeder drive, get into the paint and do some things. I understand that, but aren't you also kind of wasting AD? Well, then against Denver, we saw the Lakers putting AD in the corner, Denver not defending him. It's so the Lakers started giving AD the ball. 
and asking him to shoot corner threes. And he actually hit a few. And it got me thinking, I wonder if that's going to be the path forward for AD from behind the three-point line. It's not take the above the break ones, but let's take the corner threes, the shortest three on the floor. Let's just get you to do that and then go from there. Maybe that's the path forward, but it is concerning because that's part of what made his game so enticing was that, man, this guy is, what, 6'11", endless arms, and he can do everything, right? He can kill you in the post. He can knock in a three. He can handle the ball. You can run, pick, and roll with him. He's a defensive monster. He might be the best defensive player in the NBA. It was part of what made Anthony Davis such a unicorn because he could do anything on the floor. And so the gradual erosion of his three-point game is certainly concerning, and I hope that it's something that does come back. But as time goes by and we see more and more seasons where it just doesn't, I'm less convinced that it's that it's going to come back, that it's going to get back to where he once was. I sure hope it does, though. I sure hope it does, because that would help the Lakers a lot. It would help them a lot if he was able to shoot that three ball. All right. From there... Oh, and I've got some people in the chat that are mentioning Tristan Thompson. Should the Lakers sign him? I've heard some stuff on that. Um, it was a few weeks ago, though. So it's not like fresh. It's not fresh intel um, coming in or anything like that. But I heard some things in towards the positive about Tristan Thompson potentially coming back. But that it may not happen immediately. Like 15th roster spot. They could wind up doing something with it. Maybe it's a non-guaranteed deal, and he could wind up coming in on that. But but again, that's not new. This was weeks ago. And with the way the NBA goes, that that stuff that can change in an instant, right? That that could change in a day. One phone call could completely change that. So by no means is that, hey, this is happening, but just I heard some stuff uh, about that. Um, again, it was a few weeks ago, but we'll see if Tristan Thompson does indeed uh return. All right. With that said, I want to thank you guys all for, for joining here for the live Lakers Nation podcast. Uh, we will continue doing this throughout the summer into August, into September. Of course, training camp is going to start up end of September. We'll have media day. We'll have all that kind of stuff. But we're counting down right now. 79 days as of today. Most of you are listening to the podcast version of this. It'll be 78 days when you listen to it. But counting down, that's when the Lakers actually get back out on the floor for preseason basketball. I can't wait. I'm so excited to see this team out there. But thank you guys for coming in. I appreciate all of you for joining me, talking a little Lakers basketball. Make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. And of course, follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Oh, and go follow me on threads too. Follow me on threads. Uh, Twitter is at Trevor underscore Lane. Threads is at Trevor Lane NBA. Go follow me there too. Keep that thing growing. All right, everybody. Till next time. Stay safe and see ya. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.